0: driving rated 5 stars so and be on the greatest podcast Wherever you're listening or watching remember always keep it squatchy yeah. and now your hosts cliff Berrickman and james bobo fay bobo cliff how are you today stupendous stupendous Stupendous. Some days I just feel like the first part of that, but today I feel pretty good. Feel pretty good today. Um, Cruising through life at the museum is still the slow season, of course, but I can I can almost smell spring around the corner. Right on. Spring is when things start picking up here at the museum a little bit. More tourism starts coming our way kind of bracing there's got to be some snow in our future i know most of the country is dealing with snow at this point but here in portland or at least the portland area we've been getting snow in february of the last couple of years but once that's done get that out of the way nothing but smooth salem just rain for another three months and everything turns green and warmer <laughs> nice i am looking forward to it so any cool uh people come to the museum like any good stories or sightings or anything like that Oh, we've had all sorts of stuff going on here. Um, maybe we have been getting a few stories and odds and ends and stuff. But um, gosh, starting at last week, at some point, I did two footprint investigations the same week. Um, the first one turned out to be just a boot print, but the second one, uh, we we got a picture. We got a picture and a story, but it was like this telephone game thing where um, supposedly this neighbor was out shoveling or plowing or something like that at two in the morning. You know, but people have wacky schedules. There's no reason why that can't happen. Um, two in the morning and something caught his eye out of the cor- you know, corner of his eye. And he goes, what's that? looked over and he sees a bipedal shaped sort of shadow hop over a six foot fence, land on two legs in the snow and then run off under some power lines. Um, That was a story, right? And then uh, this woman sent it to us, and basically it gets a little convoluted, but this property owner saw this. His neighbor heard about it and got a hold of a picture. The neighbor works with this other dude, and then his girlfriend sent it in. So you can see the complications here. Right. Now, I got a picture. I, I just got the picture in a third- or fourth-hand story, essentially. It's like, oh, well, that's interesting. It was up the Washougal River, actually, which is over on the other side of the uh, Columbia, over in Washington. A uh, real squatchy area. Lots of Bigfoot stuff comes out of there. Um, so, but uh, we didn't get a location because, uh, for whatever reason, the photo had the GPS location wiped from it. Um, mm. In fact, it didn't even have the date it was taken. But when, the story I got was two days prior. Which seemed a little weird because there was snow on the ground in the picture, but there was no snow on the ground when I got the picture. So I was like, okay, well, wait a minute. Maybe it's an altitude thing. I don't really know. And thinking, well, we couldn't get a hold of the guy. We got a hold of the person whose girlfriend sent it to us. I spoke to him. He told us what he knew, but even he was two people removed from the original Circumstance, you know? So, um, we're saying, what, what can we do? Well, we know the Washugo River Road, there's only a couple power line runs on that area. They're pretty close to Bonneville where the power is generated. So, um, Connor and I went out there and spent about six hours poking around. It turns out in the picture, in the picture, there's snow in the ground. You can see two footprints and then a, a line of footprints going underneath the, the power line. Um, you can see a sign. On the power line pole, and that sign on the power line pole has three numbers on it. In this case, it was a one, a nine, and a six. Well, I, we didn't know what that meant, but we knew it meant something. So I uh, go, ahead, I went ahead and called my neighbor who works for PG and E, friend of mine, who lives on the road I live on. And then I go, hey, you got these. I have this information, possible Bigfoot sighting two days ago. What do you know about these numbers? And he told me that num- number one, the one, is the, the the circuit that the power lines are on. Okay. The nine, the middle number, is the mile of that circuit. And then the last number is the power pole, the tower itself number in that mile. So, well, game's on. We got it. So, uh, Connor and I went around and said, well, I know where the power line cut is. Let's go start looking at power lines. And we, we, uh, I, I, dr- I think we could drive actually to the first one, I th- if I remember right. I did about three or four that day or five of those things. Um, the f- we got to the first one, and it was like... Um, one, twelve, six or eight or something like that. Say, okay, we got the right circuit. We're we're twelve mile twelve. We're three miles away, and then whatever the power, you know, number in there. So okay, cool. So then we said, well, we got to know which way it's getting bigger and which way it's getting smaller. So we drove to another power line uh, tower, and it was. It turns out it was getting bigger. So we went the wrong direction. So we go back another couple miles into another place where the road goes near the power line cut. We walk up to the power lines, hike up that hill, and take a look at it. And uh, it was uh, one. 11 something say, like, Oh, we didn't go far enough. So we get on Google maps or whatever, and, and we backtrack another two miles and we find a place, we finally get out uh, to wait, we find a place we can drive to, to get near the power line poles. And then we uh, drive out there. Um, and it's at the very, very end of this road, uh, called maybe mine road. It's off of a uh, salmon falls. I think it is. And then we get to the this area and it's like the last house, the last house on this uh, road before it basically just is nothing after that. Um, and I'm thinking, man, these guys don't, and, and these guys don't want to be bothered. Uh, but the power line goes right through their backyard. So we go to the public land to the south of these guys' road and go out there. And it's like one nine, I don't know, or I think it's 110 something. But it, like we're really close, like we're, as near as we can figure, we're like a half mile away at the most. So we want to go up the road the opposite direction, but sure enough, that road is a private road. And it's like, well, shoot. And, and, and by the way, there's no snow on the ground, which is concerning because if it happened two days before, there would certainly still be snow on the ground. There was some snow in pockets in the shade and that kind of thing, but there's no way that much snow melted. So Connor and I said, you know what? This is a private road. I live on a private road, and I, we certainly don't like people coming down our road. And, you know, we're pretty far out there at this point, and it's just not a wise idea, in, in my opinion, to go poking around in these places because, you know, Washington and Oregon, man, it's gun country as much as anywhere in the country is. And you just don't want to go messing around being disrespectful to these people, even for Bigfoot stuff, you know. And uh, so we didn't go up there. And, and at the end of the day, we were going to find footprints in the snow because there was no snow. But we have another dot on the map. We know a general area. That a Sasquatch was. Now, the thing is, it really bothered us about this, about the discrepancy in the dates. But, you know, remember, I heard it from the girlfriend of a dude who works with the next door neighbor of the actual witness, if that story is even accurate. So the telephone game, right? Yeah, so I I don't know, it bothered us, but when Connor, we we, we made a video for it because our, our our museum members at the NABC, they get two uh documentary movies a month. Like I say movies, but they're like 10 to 20 minutes long, like shorts. And um and we document our the field trips like this, for example, or deep dives into evidence. But in this case, Connor was making a video out of our wild goose chase that we just released a couple days ago to our members. And, and he uploaded the photograph for the video and he noticed that the name of the photograph was a long string of numbers. But looking closely at those long string of numbers, it appeared to be a date. It was 20211228, one, two, if I remember right. In other words, or maybe the twenty-seven, two-seven at the very end. But anyway, it was either the twenty-seventh or twenty-eighth of December, twenty twenty-one. And if that's the case, then that coincides to that big snowstorm that we had at the very end of the year. Right. So that makes a lot of sense. So I think that the story was wrong. Um, I would really like to speak to the witness, of course, and like to know more information about it. Um, nothing you can do about it now, but. It's just another dot on the map, which is honestly, from my experience at least and my opinion on it, what 98% of Bigfoot sighting reports are about, getting that dot on a map, where and when was a Bigfoot there. And then from that, maybe you can guess why it was there and et cetera. You know? So there was no trace of those prints when you got there? Well, I didn't go to the spot, right? I didn't want to trespass. I didn't want to go up this private road to go looking at the power line. It seemed disrespectful at the time, especially at dusk, you know. A little bit after dusk. So and again, I live on a private road. You know, you've been to our house and if any strange cars go driving down our road, all the neighbors are, you know, peering out their windows and you know, with their hands on their their firearms. So you just don't do that kind of stuff where where I live or where you live for that matter. You just don't do that stuff. That's what you need moneymaker. Yeah, Matt doesn't care. Matt'll trespass wherever he needs to go. He's ballsy as all get out.
1: I used to. I. I, I mean, well, where I live, you, you had to be careful
0: <laughs> for obvious reasons.
1: Just because. I mean, I trespassed, but I, I trespass way less now. I mean, I hardly. I mean, besides timberlands, you know, like where they got two million acres or whatever,
0: people's property. Property, I stay off that now. Oh, yeah, especially since I own property now. I don't want people walking on what? my – like we had some guy – did I tell you this, the guy who was digging for treasure on my land? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was weird. I, I don't know if I told on the podcast. I'll, I'll tell a brief version of that. It's like I'm at work at the museum, and Melissa, my wife, calls me and says, hey, there's some dude digging on the property. Like what digging? What? then so, I, I said, I'll be right home. And I turned to Connor. I said, Connor, you have the bridge. And then I leave. And um, I go home. And uh, and I, r- I rush home, actually, because my wife's alone. Whoever it was was, like, knocking on the win- the doors and stuff. Not the windows, but the doors. And Melissa doesn't answer the doors. You know, if she's home alone, she does not answer the doors. Up yours. Screw you. Who cares? Get out. And so this guy's like, want- wanted to talk to whoever was there. So he didn't talk to us. So what he did, Melissa took a picture out the window of some white truck, and the guy was digging holes on the other side of the road. Um, And I've got a road, an easement that goes through my property. And um, so I get home to find out that this guy's just leaving. Apparently my neighbors drove by, um, the next neighbor in, um, she drove by and like looked at this guy and said, what is this about? And went to the first house on the road and said, hey, there's this guy digging on Cliff's property. Can you get your firearm and come down there with me? Because that's what we do here in Clackamas County. You know, uh, can't depend on the police officers getting here in time. So sometimes things are taken into our own hands. So they go down and confront the guy and they recognize him as somebody who knew the gentleman who lived in my house a couple people before me. And um, apparently then they chase him off. I catch him coming up the driveway as I'm coming home down the driveway. And I go, hey, and it's like there's a white beat up truck and some dude comes up and I go, he, he slows down, rolls the window down and has this sort of disarming laughing look on his face. Um, I go, hey, man, are you the dude digging holes in my property? And he goes, Yeah, that's me. That's me. What what in the world is going on? Why are you digging holes on my property? And he laughs and he says, Oh, the guy who built your house, you know, the old man in there always used to brag about all the gold coins he got overseas. And he would, he said that he buried them around the property in coffee cans. And I just figured he's been dead for a long time. So I thought I'd come look for him. And I say, well, you know, that's inappropriate, right? I own the property now. In fact, he hasn't owned the property for a long time. He goes, oh, I know, I know, I know. But check this out. If you let me dig around your property, I'll cut you in. (laughs) <laughs> and I went, wait a minute. I thought to myself, seems to me that whatever's buried there, trash, gold coins or whatever belongs to me now. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. Exactly. You'll cut me in. But I, I was a little savvy in this case and I was quick on my feet or my, my thoughts were quick on their feet. And I said, you know what? Let me consider that. I'll tell you what. Give me your name and phone number. And then if if I decide I'll do that, I'll give you a call. He goes, oh, great. And the guy wrote down his name and phone number for me and gave it to me. And I thought, well, good. The police will have a really easy time catching you. So it's my thought if you want to come back again. Yeah, so that was kind of a weird thing. So anyway, because of things like that, I don't go chasing, you know, Bigfoot reports down private roads. It just feels inappropriate to me now. So Right. Yeah, I used to be
1: I used to be like, you know, this is important. This is this supersedes anything else, like your private property rights
0: or whatever. I'm looking for Bigfoot evidence, so (laughs) too bad. Yeah, think about that, uh, listeners out there. It's like you come out in the morning, the dogs are barking, and there's bobs on the back of the property saying, no, 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 your privacy is secondary to Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't go too close to house. I mean, I'd slip by houses all the time, but I mean, I wouldn't go like doing something like that, like in someone's yard or anything. Yeah, yeah. I did that once. Uh, Actually, we were finding Bigfoot. We we are filming Finding Bigfoot at the time. Tyler and I were out in Arizona somewhere, and there, there's at least deer and elk and stuff on this property, and there's this be- beautiful big house down there, but it didn't look like anybody was in there. Um, and I think, well, I want to go Bigfoot on their other side of the property, but I, I don't want to trespass if somebody's home. So I, I like snuck up to the house, and thankfully, I didn't have any dogs or something. Yeah, they, they had this low wall around their house about 20 feet from their building. Um, And I'm thinking, well, it looks like there's a candle burning inside, but there's no lights on. And so I was trying to get close. Maybe I could hear something. Maybe I could see something. I was sneaking up there. And and it was crazy. I got close to this this wall, about four feet from the wall. And a freaking mountain lion jumps on the wall and runs to the left. Like, not, not three and a half, four feet from me. Like, a mountain lion jumps up from behind the wall and then runs on the wall and just takes off into the dark. Damn. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a big one, but it was big enough. It was was pretty intense, man. It was pretty cool. (laughs) That is. That was probably the closest encounter I've had with one of those. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Sonidos of our music. Sonidos of our voices sonidos of our stories. Listen to the sounds
1: and voices of Latin music and culture with Pandora stations like RMX, La Vida en Pop, El Pulso and Satellites, and podcasts like Ruby Rosa and more. From music to stories, all that we are is in the sonidos of our
0: culture. Listen now on Pandora. Well, anyway, let's let's get into the show, and believe it or not, listeners, we haven't even hopped into what we're actually doing today. We don't have a guest for you, because we want to try to sometimes just hang out with Bobo and Cliff... Or Cliff and Bobo, or Biff and Clobo, or whoever we are, um, but we thought a fun way to do this is that um, for the last week or so, Bobo and I have been looking for interesting items, either in the news or the scuttlebutt or something like that, you know. And um, we have a, a number of items here that we've sent to each other that we can comment on and share a little bit about and kind of riff on for a while, just to get our thoughts and that sort of thing. So, um, and this is something actually you listeners can participate in as well, if just like like we do our Q and A's about once a month or something, and you all su- uh, suggest or ask or submit questions to us. If there is a news item or a thing out there that you would like us to speak about, just to ramble and prattle on and give our opinions about, feel free to email it to us. Um, our email address, in case you don't know, is a Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast at gmail.com. Or just go to the website, bigfootandbeyondpodcast.com and and click the contact button. Um, And yeah, and maybe there's a news item you want our opinion on. Just so you know, um, we don't talk about the people so much in the Bigfoot community unless they're doing something absolutely spectacular. Like we're not going to give you our opinion on this researcher or that researcher. See, the problem with the Bigfoot community, in my opinion, is uh, that they talk about the people, not the animals. Our focus is the animals, not the people. We don't care about gossip and rumors and all that sort of garbage. Keep that out of our lives, please. So, yeah, we will not comment on the people involved in Bigfoot. We will contact, comment on the Bigfoots involved in Bigfoot. That's what we care about. Much so, more interesting. Much more interesting. Now, a lot, of these, a lot of these items that Bobo and I are going to be speaking about today, we actually got off of YouTube or there's a newspaper article or something like that. And if you want to check out what we're speaking about, those links will also be in the show notes. So everything we're talking about here on YouTube or the articles will be in the show notes. All you have to do is click it and it'll, you'll be brought right there so you will know exactly what Bobo and I are commenting on today. Okay, any questions? I don't hear anything, so no, I guess that's no questions. All right, ready? Proceed. All right, proceed. I think th- I think we should start with that uh, vocalization recording first. I think that's one of the cooler things that we have on the table um, from our friend Jennifer. You okay to start with that one, Bubs? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an interesting one. I mean, you definitely hear, I mean, there's no doubt there's coyotes
1: in there, but that roar, I guess it starts about the 10 second mark. I mean, that, it
0: sounds pretty squatchy. Yeah, yeah I don't know, man. That doesn't sound like a coyote to me. Not even close, and it doesn't sound like a bear either. And to give context to this recording, um, Jennifer was just coming home, basically, after being out running errands or doing something. Her husband was on the porch going into the house at the time, and she heard the coyotes. She goes, oh, I'm going to record the coyotes. They sound cool and close. And then that thing pops over the top. And, And she texted me immediately and said, what do you think this is? And I go, oh, my God, that might be the real deal. And this is from rural Kentucky. Kentucky is well-known for Bigfoots and all that sort of thing. And this is out there. These people own like 40 acres or something, if I remember correctly, in a very likely spot. About 20, 30 minutes from Lexington. Yeah. And their neighbors, I believe, have found footprints or had some sort of encounter. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head right now. But there's indications that Sasquatches may be in the neighborhood. So, Did they get knocks? They've heard
1: screams in the past. She just had to be rolling tape. Thank God. Thank God. I mean... I was just,
0: you'd just be like, I heard something interesting. You'd be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. More than a, we need more than a story. Frankly, I mean, uh, whether it's a sighting report or re, or the sound you heard or something, you can tell us about it all day long. But that doesn't mean we heard it. But in this case, there's a recording, and and I don't know. You guys tell us. It sounds pretty good to me. I don't have a problem with it. No, I think it's good. I mean, I know animals can make some barn animals can make some weird like bulls,
1: and I think I told you about that time that 450 pound sow pig my buddy had roared like a lion like i couldn't believe like i, I didn't know a pig could make a sound like that i was just like maybe jump in the air and i was like dang what the and, and there's just this giant sow wow like a giant bear man pig yeah it was i mean so i know i know animals barn animals can make some weird sounds so i mean
0: i can't say for sure that's a squash but it, it sounds like it to me I wouldn't be a bit surprised. I wouldn't be a bit surprised knowing the habitat out there, knowing where these people live and, and, you know, coyotes, the coyotes there too. I think that's important. I mean, you hear people
1: say like, oh, they're hunting with the coyotes or like the coyotes are following them and scavenging the Bigfoot kills or the Bigfoot's following the coyotes and taking the coyote kills. It'll
0: be interesting to see when that uh, finally gets figured out what, what the real story is. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to after discovery is to learn a little bit about that. Um, where do you fall in that, Bobes? I, I, are you still going with that Bigfoots are taking coyotes and using them to some degree? I think it's, a, I don't think that's the most likely uh,
1: scenario, but it's, it's an, it's an option. I think not too likely, but Hey, I mean, other primates do it. They take domestic dogs and raise them as guard dogs, like baboons do
0: that. I got to admit, when you first said that way all those many years ago in Finding Bigfoot, I was thinking, oh, this is one of those bobo things, right? Um, and I wasn't sure how to take it. But yeah, I'll, I'll believe you until I have a reason not to. But Renee never bought it. And later on, um, it, sure enough, I, I read the article. You yeah, have baboons, I guess, specifically baboons, like kidnap puppies or dogs or something and keep them around because it helps them keep an eye out. Um, but I don't think Renee ever came around on that one, despite the evidence, despite the article written on it.
1: And I even found that Nat Geo did a uh, video on it. I, I mean, Nat Geo did a full episode on it, and I she gave her the link to the video, and she refused to look at it and
0: still said, I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, isn't that telling? And not just of Renee either, but of skeptics in general. It's like, I don't need to look at it because I already know. Right. Yeah, I, I don't need to be proven wrong because you can't prove my belief wrong, even if it is. She is pulling a Fonzie right there. She couldn't say it wrong. I was <laughs> pulling a Fonzie. Yeah, but she can say the word love, so it's not a total Fonzie thing, right? What a strange uh, disability the Fonz had. <laughs> is, is that a speech thing? Is I mean, how, where would you go to fix that? Like a speech counselor, speech therapist of some sort. I can't say the word la la Being, of course, love or that he's wrong. He wasn't leading those girls on. <laughs> you know, You know, looking back, I'm not so sure the Fonz is a really good role model for me as a young boy. He made an impact on me, that's for sure. Yeah, but I don't think it was a good impact. Do you? I wouldn't say he was wrong. Yeah. Oh, man, but I love, 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 love the show. <laughs> I, you know, I lived for happy days when I was a kid. Sit on it, Potsy. Yeah. Oh, th- how many spinoffs of Happy Days can you name? Joni Loves Chachi, Laverne and Shirley, and I guess Mork and Mindy. Yeah, that's right. Mork and Mindy. And, and, and uh, here's trivia for the audience. We'll give you a moment. What is the crossover? How is it that uh, Happy Days or one of its spinoffs kind of cross paths with Finding Bigfoot in all those years? It did? Mm-hmm. It did. It did. Oh, you don't know the answer either. No. Yeah, like there's a crossover. There's a way that they're connected, a pretty strong way. You don't remember how uh, Finding Bigfoot and the Happy Days pantheon? I mean, I don't know, like uh, uh, franchise, uh, whatever you want to call it. Happy Days and all their spinoffs, they cross paths in a way. Not Maybe not physically, but what's the connection there? Oh, uh, Milwaukee, you mean? No, but that's I mean? a good guess. Good guess. Well, here here it is. Here's the answer. The name of one of our Oregon episodes Oh, Drony loves Chachi. Yeah, Droney loves Squatchy. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, was a ma- that was the name of the episode where those drone guys on the east side of Mountain Hood helped us out. That was either Moneymaker. I mean, that was either Hamill or or Mantua that came up with that one. It was Hamill. He gets if Chad Hamill gets full credit or blame for that <laughs> one, depending on how you feel about it. And he said he. I think he had to fight for it too. Yeah, he did. But you know, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna like choose a hill to die on, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Troni well, loves squatchy.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then what, another thing in the news I saw was that truck with a hundred monkeys in it crashing in Danville, Pennsylvania. And then they originally said four, but then it was three of the monkeys uh, escaped and were hanging out in the woods. And that was, uh, I mean, because you you always read that. In all the old Bigfoot reports, that was always what was surmised, like a train crash or something like that, and zoo animals escaped, and that's what people were seeing, gorillas or orangutans or chimpanzees out in the forest in North America. That was always used it as an excuse, and it's like, well, how likely is that? That doesn't happen very often, and it still happens even in modern times, but I'm, I'm not saying that's what you can give credit for uh, escaped zoo animals accounting for all these historical Bigfoot accounts, but... You can see where, I mean, it probably happened a few times, and that just kind of, people just applied it to all of all the Bigfoot sightings.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that's a very common thing, especially in the old newspaper reports that you're saying, that they attribute these as circus train crashes. Yeah. And, and, you know, and there were some. There definitely were some. I mean, I did a quick web search, and there, there's actually a, a web page devoted to circus train crashes, which... Is a noble cause, I suppose, um, and and a lot of them have photographs of it. And there's like dead animals lying around, and and um, a, a couple of these other ones had apes uh, noted as escaping, or at least temporarily. Although most of the time, um, the apes were either recaptured or killed. I mean, frankly, most of the animals were either recaptured or killed. Um, and one of the apes even had this crazy name, like Man Killer or something like that. It was pretty pretty sketchy sort of thing, but. Could that possibly have um, explained the sighting of a large ape-like animal in the wilds of North America? I don't think so. I mean, maybe occasionally, and I know there are plenty of people that uh, think that the Floridian um, unknown hominoids, like the Sasquatches down there, the skunk apes, some of those are actually um, maybe perhaps domestic pets that got loose and are still in the wild. But I don't think, I don't think that's true of like the, the five to eight footers. You know, the little guys in trees, sure, of course, why not? I mean, there's, you're down, you were in Long Beach, California not that long ago, and there's a whole flock of parrots down there that got loose that are just doing great. Um, why not the apes? You know, why not little guys like capuchin monkeys and things like that living in the wilds of Florida?
1: These guys, they, I guess they had to euthanize the three that, they, that got escaped and spent the night out there. They got so like frostbitten and cold, and
0: apparently they had to put them down. Yeah, that would not be a good place for a tropical animal. To live, and I, I mean most, not all, but most of the primates that are alive today are, are live in the tropics. Frankly, you know the either the the monkeys of South America or in uh, Central Africa, that sort of thing. And certainly all the apes, all the apes are um, are, are tropical except for humans. And we have a worldwide distribution, but beyond that, there are I mean, the, the orangutans has Southeast Asia, and that's in the tropics, and the, you know the chimpanzees and gorillas, of course, and bonobos. Yeah. But that doesn't explain the Sasquatch sightings in British Columbia very well. No. No, not yeah. at all. Grasping at straws. That's what I think it is. Just continually grasping at straws. There must be a way that sounds reasonable even if it isn't to explain all this away.
1: Right. Yeah, people are always looking for I
0: mean, that's natural
1: human tendency to look for a cause and effect or what the reason for this would logically be. And it, it to the uninformed person about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, uh all the evidence and Everything pointed to these things being a real a real undiscovered species. If you, if you don't know any of that stuff, like, well, a gorilla escaped, that
0: makes total sense. Yeah. And until that gorilla has to be, you know, in Georgia and Oregon and Washington and southern Indiana and Ohio and all those sort of places. Yeah. Kind of falls apart when you look at it. Yeah. But you know, one of the other things you sent in, Bobo, is about gorillas. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I guess the world's, or no, third, or, the third oldest gorilla in the world has died, Ozzy. Yeah. Now, of course, that's not Aussie Osborne. He's not a gorilla. He's human. Um, but uh, and I'm sure he's third oldest, but 61 years old. 61 years old, and of course he was in captivity, so that's probably an extreme example. But I think that was at the, the Atlanta Zoo, am I right on that yep. one? Yeah, he was the, the world's oldest male gorilla. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. That's, yeah, I wonder if it's in, in, in gorillas as well as humans that uh, females live longer. i imagine so. It says in the article, that gorillas are considered
1: geriat- geriatric after the age of 40. Me too. So they do run
0: along human lines. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, It'd be interesting, though. And you know what else I noticed? I read that article, and it turns out there was another gorilla in the same zoo that died at 59 years old. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty good uh, record for a zoo, I think. I think that's the fourth longest lived one. Something like that. Yeah, of course, Chumba. She was 59 years old and the fourth oldest gorilla in the world. There you go. There you go. Well, now, of course, what does this have to do with Bigfoots is that all ape species, including humans, have a natural lifespan of 50 or so years. Um, I mean, I'm 51. Bobo, you've got to be like 87 or something at this point. Um, we would be dead by now. Oh, yeah. We would totally be dead by now if it wasn't for you know our culture and society and modern medicine and all that sort of stuff. Um, but in the wild... Sasquatches, like all the other ape species, including humans, because that's Um, us—that's our family. We should be expected to live about fifty or so years, you know. Which is, which is, I think, is interesting when I look back at, like, say, the founding fathers. A lot of them, you know, the seventeen hundreds and stuff—they lived until like their seventies sometimes. But they were also probably the most educated of the society, who had the least backbreaking work all the time, right? Um, You know, that sort of thing. Well, they say stress kills. Oh Yeah, well, I should have been dead yesterday. But you know, as far as sasquatches go, I think it's pretty reasonable. And the only data point I have, well, because the footprints haven't been tracked that long. I mean, unfortunately, if we want to learn about sasquatches. You have to track them, basically, because they're not going to show themselves. You have to figure some things out and uh, try to, you know, like Patty, for example, from the you know, Patterson-Gimlin film, the creature in there, her footprints might have been found as early as 1958. Um, and certainly in '59, and all the way up to 1968. But that's 10 years. But She was full grown in '58, right? They're the same size. Yeah, if those are, if I'm correct, and those are her footprints, then um, they were the, basically the same size as the day she was filmed. So, assuming Sasquatch is um, mature at around you know 10, 11 years of age. You know, they're probably not quite totally filled out, just like, you know, there's a little growth spurt after you're 20 years old for humans. But it, assuming that that's, she's at least that big then, so she was probably born in maybe 1945, 1950, somewhere in there. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, may, but then again, she could have been born earlier than that. We, she might have just been middle age or something. Although she does have boobs and they were rather enlarged, she might have been lactating. I think that's yeah. a very real possibility. Because Bob always said she looked beat up. He goes,
1: she looked like an older. She looked older when he saw her. But That could just be because they have, you know, naturally deep creases and wrinkles in their faces. Oh, and they don't live an
0: easy lifestyle either, right. that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you see a homeless woman that's been on the streets her whole life at forty; she's going to look pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the way you live certainly translates from the way you look sometimes. But yeah, she might have been born in, in 1940 or something. Maybe she was 20, 20, you know, 27 when she was filmed. Yeah. Yeah. So even, even if she was born in let's say let's say just 1940 for easy math. Today, today she'd be dead, obviously, but that, that's like 80 years old. But she might have been kicking until the 90s. She could have been. I always thought about that. Like, she might have been alive when I first started going down into Bluff Creek. Yeah, wouldn't that be something? That'd be cool. But the last time her footprints were found, in my opinion, again, then whatever that's worth, and you're listening to our podcast, it must be worth something, is 1968. 1968. Um, Because uh, until just recently, um, I thought her footprints were never found again after Bob and Roger filmed her. But apparently they were. Um, Dr. Meldrum sent me a photograph that was was shared with him from a Forest Service worker or a friend of one. Then that picture was taken in 1968 in the Bluff Creek area. And it is clearly Patty, in my opinion so that's cool more data is needed how would that you know what but bob bob titmus i've got to go back and look bob titmus cast footprints i think he got a couple in the 70s but i know he got a couple in the early 1980s and i think those were the ones associated with the handprint in laird meadow but um i'd have to go back and look at those like i wonder if there's any chance at all that those were patty we just need more data, more like, good data. But with not a lot of people were doing it like Bob was. Bob Titmus would go out for uh, like a month or more every year, usually in October, and walk the roads in the in Bluff Creek and whatnot. Um, Dan Perez actually ran across them one year down there doing that very same thing. Dan uh, Perez was out camping in Bluff Creek, and he ran across Bob Titmus um, in his beat up old motorhome that he would take down there, and he got to spend a little little time with Bob Titmus out in the field. How lucky is that? Dude, that's so uh, that is awesome. Absolutely amazing. I would he's one of the he's, people ask me, like, who would I want to go Bigfoot with that I, you know, that I can't because he's dead or whatever. It's always Bob Titmus, number one. Yeah, he'd be great to go out with. Well, he's such a mystery. He never wrote anything down. He wrote he wrote things on the back of the footprints that he got, and those that beautiful flowing script, you know, that the people of his age had. You know, kids today can't write like that. They're all typing on the computer. I can't even write like that. I don't have the patience, but he had beautiful writing and stuff. But he never wrote anything down besides that. So a lot of what he did, we have to learn about through, you know, John Green or people like that who documented what was going on back at the time.
1: Yeah. And then, um, I just was listening to something with Tippin's the other day. Yeah. For the listeners out there, there's a, the Sasquatch archives on YouTube. Todd Prescott out of Canada. They got John Green's all his files and old footage and tape tape recorded
0: interviews. And you can hear a lot of, you can get a lot of great info off of there. Oh yeah. It is a treasure trove of historical archives in the Bigfoot field. Absolutely phenomenal. He would be a wonderful guest. We need to get him on man, for sure. Well, yeah. So back to the Bigfoot thing a little bit. I only, uh, you know, Lori, of course, you know, and and she's the only witness that I know personally, a long-term witness that thinks she's been encountering the same Bigfoot for a very long time, right? Yeah. And and ironically enough, um, that Bigfoot was nicknamed Bobo. Because uh, when Lori was growing up, was it in Olympia maybe? Olympia or somewhere? I think it was Olympia. There there was a a mall or something that had a captive gorilla in it, which is a terrible place for uh, any great ape, especially gorilla, but even humans. Um, And they kept kept this thing in a cage, I guess, and, and they called that gorilla Bobo. And when uh, Lori was a little girl, she knew what Bobo was because Bobo was that gorilla thing. And when she saw a Sasquatch for the first time at what, seven years old or something, give or take a year, she thought it was that Bobo gorilla in the zoo that was just out in the woods near her house. Um, And she didn't think anything of it. And she saw that same Sasquatch. Uh, Over the years, periodically, it wasn't like every day or anything like that. But it was, you know, maybe once, once or twice every couple years or two or something like that. And um, she said she told me once that the last time she thought she saw Bobo, or she saw a Sasquatch that she thought was Bobo um, was had to be like maybe 10 years ago now, or something like that. And, you know, I, I think Lori's in her 60s or something. So there we have the only data set I know. And she also said the first time she saw Bobo, the the, the Sasquatch, um, she, looking back, she doesn't think it was full grown. It had kind of a lanky, teenage sort of body about it. You know, there's something about it that kind of gave her the impression, at least looking back now, that it perhaps was adolescent.
1: She said it was about six foot tall, 200, 250 pounds, something like that, and that uh, it A black bear was stalking
0: her and menacing her, and it drove the black bear away. I guess it threw some rocks. Was that her first time? Yeah, Yeah. she was five years old. Yeah, so but the last time she she was probably in her late fifties, early sixties. The last time she saw it, assuming that she's correct, which and maybe she's not correct. Who knows? Um, Well, that's the only data point I have personally of any sort of Sasquatch longevity because people aren't collecting the footprints enough. Basically, if we had that, we might be able to track this thing through time or whatever. Um, but uh, anyway that I, I think that's interesting, especially when it correlates so well with the lifespan of other gorillas uh, or other apes like gorillas and um, chimps and humans and orangutans and stuff so
1: yeah i mean've I've talked to other people that have you know like the long term where they 've seen them kind of grow up and and from the footprints i've found, it seems like
0: their feet grow like about an inch inch and a half a year. Yeah, that might, you might be right, actually, because the only data points I have are from the water spot when I used to go there with you. That first crazy night where we th- we think we had three of them around us, remember we found prints down um, in the swamp, and they were uh, seven or eight inches at the time. And then a couple years later, I found one. Um, Shit. Uh, in, uh, well, I guess it would have been in the lake. It was laid down when the lake level was higher, but it was right next to that log. Remember the log that the thing ran out on and jumped in the water? Um, I found prints next to that one time and they're about 10 inches long. So seven or eight to 10 inches long after three or four years, you might be right on that. You might be right. are we still there? Hello? There you are. Uh, uh. Bobo. (laughs) There he is. Bobo. Hello, Bobo. Are you there? Sorry, everybody. We lost Bobo. I guess he just got bored and got up and started doing dishes in the background. That happens sometimes. Usually we cut it out, though. Maybe we aren't going to cut it out this time. We'll see. It's like, oh, look, a squirrel. Have you ever done my imitation of an aquarium for you? Okay, here it is. Ready? Thank you very much. How about my imitation of a, of a, of a Coke can being opened and drank? Thank you. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. So you're there, Bob's.
1: We got you. Yeah, you know, it was weird. It was, I couldn't hear you guys, but my uh, squiggle lines were
0: going across. It was coming the opposite way. So time went backwards momentarily. I don't know what happened. It must have been time flowing backwards. That's the only logical explanation for it. It's not too often that I don't agree with you on logic, Cliff. (laughs) Well, just when I say ridiculous things. It's okay. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, you know what? Speaking of ridiculous things, Squatch Fest was this past weekend, which was fantastic, I might add. A lot of fun. Meldrum uh, Meldrum was there. I spoke. uh, Ron Moorhead was there. uh, Shane Corson, Derek Randles. It was great really, really neat time. A lot of good people and stuff. I felt a little bad for Ron because he was one of the, like, the guy representing the woo, so to speak, the paranormal right. side of things. But, um, you know, Ron's a good friend of ours. We all love him. Um, and, I, and somebody asked me, so since you, what do, you, what do they say? Like, if I, you attack or you belittle the paranormal and I said, really? Is that how I come across? I, I can understand that. Um, yes, I am, you do. I am confident that I'm right, so I can understand how I might come across like that. But I, I think I, I stopped him and I, I wanted to clarify and I just thought I'd put it out there on an official sort of basis. Um, I, I, don't, I don't belittle the people or I don't judge the people who think these things are true, although I might judge their ideas. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if there's somebody I disagree with politically, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It just means that I don't agree with their ideas. I can love the person and, and, you know, like Ron Moorhead is an excellent example or Tom Powell for that matter, or a number of people. Um, I don't have to agree with them about Bigfoot to enjoy their company and there's nothing wrong with having a different perspective on things. Um, even if I think they're wrong because you're really, to be fair, they think I'm wrong and I don't care. I don't see why people get so bent out of shape about um, me not agreeing with what they think. Because isn't it true? If that is true, that I don't agree with you, and I'm not mad at you, you know. Like I don't get it. We're just trying to save you from burning in hell, Cliff. Oh, it's too late for that, man. Too late for that. No, yeah. I I mean, yeah.
1: I don't get it why people get so take it so personally. It's like, I mean, especially if you're claiming like you're taking a scientific approach. It's like science is all about ripping down the other guy's argument and making him prove that it's real. Or your own argument, for that matter. Right.
0: Science is really about proving yourself wrong.
1: You're supposed to tear yourself apart as much as you can first before you even put it out there,
0: and yeah. people, people don't do that. Yeah, and, and uh, one of the one of the things I said to this guy is like, "Well, imagine if you if 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 I told you, you know, I live in the woods, right? So if if I told you, I looked out the window because I heard a noise, and there was a bear going through my trash can." And the bear looked up to me, it looked up at me, you know, I was up in the window and it was down by the trash can, it looked up at me and disappeared into a portal. You'd kind of wonder, right? It's like, well, is that an accurate observation? Um, but that's what people are asking me to believe. So I, I don't know. I just don't get it. And I, I, I want to make that real clear. I don't care what y'all think, just like you really shouldn't care what we think. You shouldn't care what anybody else thinks. You have your own subjective experiences to deal with. Ron Moorhead, good friend of mine, has seen some pretty wacky stuff out in the woods. Pretty weird stuff that I have never seen. So he has reason to think these things are perhaps more than just a regular old animal. I have never seen that. I have no reason to think that. Why is that a thing to get upset at me about? I don't I don't understand that. A lot of that too is like, just not going through like the academic rigors of, you know,
1: having to debate and, you know, not agree with people, but say it in a civil way. And, you know, just have a honest, open discussion about things without taking things personal. Like it's hard for a lot of people if you didn't have that in school or get that training. Some people do it naturally, but other people, they need to be taught it
0: and learn that kind of way of thinking and operating. Yeah, yeah, uh, debate skills. Um, yeah, it, it kind of flown out the window. And then, unfortunately, so have, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, scientific literacy. Right. Have also kind of left all of it, or most not really taught as strongly as I perhaps they were in my classroom. So I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, that, that's something that I was just thinking about because of the, the weird stuff. But anyway, should we get on with it? Yeah. Where do you want to go next, Bo? We have a list here. Oh, the species um, name from photos. That's what I was hoping you'd say. Yeah, yeah. Friend of the show, guest on the show just about a month or two ago, Darren Nash from the UK. Um, real smart guy, real prolific science writer and educator. Um, he, he has a fascinating Twitter feed. I, I don't I can't recommend his Twitter feed enough. Um, and he is interested in cryptozoology. Um, he thinks most of it is garbage, but he is keeping an open enough mind that is he thinks that um, like for example, he does say that even though he's not so sure Bigfoots are real, he thinks it's one of the best supported cryptids out there by the evidence and I have to tip his hat tip my hat to that. Um, he had a really interesting thread on Twitter that I picked up and I sent to you guys about proving animals are real. Without taking a holotype, without killing one. Yeah, um,
1: January twelfth of this year, Darren Nash.
0: At, at, yeah, at Tet Zoo, T E T Z O. Yeah, yeah, and again, we had him on the podcast just about a month or two ago. You can go back in the archives and check it out. Real smart guy, and he, he wants to come back on too because we, after all the talk that we had, um, we didn't even touch on sea monsters. And that's where he That's one of his topics that he loves to speak about. So he actually uh, asked me if he can come back on at some point to do that. But hell yeah. How cool would it be to be able to prove Sasquatches are real without killing one? Oh, that's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah, it's not the quick way. It's not the easy way. But uh, that is the goal. And by the way, there is no quick or easy way. And I think that's pretty clear by now. But for someone like myself, who's not willing to pull the trigger or to carry around a high powered rifle or go camping with a bunch of dudes um, who are willing to do that, like, i am um, that's not me, I'm extraordinarily unlikely to be in that circumstance. Um, uh, but For guys like me, this is an interesting topic because, yeah, it would be really cool to prove one. Although, I mean, not not to interrupt myself because that's rude, but but I won't take offense. But uh, not to interrupt myself, but even if it was proven, more than likely a dead one would come in down the road anyway for scientific study of some sort. Just yeah,
1: I mean, I I just don't like the idea of going out and hunting them. I mean, I mean, like most people, I think it's going to be solved by a hunter hunting bear or deer or moose whatever that has a large enough caliber rifle to take one down and then then also come forward with it because we've heard a couple dozen stories of people killing them and i believe you know some of those people i totally believe their stories
0: and it's like but they just they look too human whatever whatever to so that end, like, like, let's get back to the Darren Nation um, Twitter thread there. Um, he pointed out that the way that the rules are written, and because um, right now the rules are basically, more or less, to prove something is real, you got to go kill it and bring it back and show it, and then they got to write a paper on it, and then that's real to the scientific community. That's basically how it is. Um, as as my friends say, um, I didn't write the rules, I don't like the rules, but we got to follow the rules, right? Um, Turns out that the International Commission on Zoological Nomenclature, basically the, 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 the council that says this is what you do to prove a new species and give it a name, tax, taxonomic name. You have to do this. You have to have a holotype and you have to study it and you have to dissect it and publish a paper, basically. Turns out that there are some exceptions to that. There are exceptions in the data set right now. And I think that is very encouraging. Uh, most of the time, um, those exceptions come about, as we'll see, is because of the rarity of the species. But um, some, one of these examples is actually a snake. Um, it turns out that there are three photos of, uh, of a snake from Vietnam That was published in the Journal of Cryptozoology, by the way, in 1992. Um, They said it was possibly a a xenopites or xenopetis, I think. Um, But the thing is, there's some fault here. They have three photographs of a snake from Vietnam that they couldn't identify. They say it was a new species, but they never got another one. They never saw another one, and it turns out that these three photographs were all of the same dead individual. So we've got some good angles on this one individual, but more individuals are needed. Some people think that this thing might be a a known species with a strange coloration, and there's been a lot of of controversy because of a lack of a specimen or lack of more photographs of the same thing. But that's just a snake, you know? Um, That's just a snake. Um, There's other other things out there. A lot of these are primates, as I said. But... um, there, There's another th- critter out there. Uh, what is the name here? Oh, 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 oh this little bird. Um, most recently in, um, in the 90s, maybe that's not most recently, but more recently in the 90s, there was this picture of a bird from Somalia that uh, um, uh, 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 some guy got a couple photographs of. He'd see this thing almost every day when he was visiting this hospital in Somalia and took a bunch of pictures of it over many, many, many days. And they'd never seen it before. Then they captured it and released it a few months later. And um, so it was still alive when they let it loose. So the holotype was alive at the time. Um, And of course, they described it as a new species of bush shrike for you bird nerds out there. But, Somebody else came back later and said, "Well, we they have um, they have biological samples from it. They ran some DNA tests, I guess, or something like that. And it turns out that it's actually a known species with a brand new coloration that they didn't know existed in this kind of bird. So another paper, therefore more knowledge, has been um, put forth saying that coloration is not a reliable morphological trait for species identification." And that's important here for the Bigfoot thing because people say that, don't you think there's more than one species here in North America? And I say, of course not. No, the evidence isn't there. So, oh, but the evidence is there. Like down in the South, they're a little smaller and they're red. Well, that's not, that, that's not a different species. It doesn't matter. There's, you know, black bears. How many colors of black bears have you seen, Bobes? Yeah, five. Yeah, a lot, right? There's black, there's brown, there's red, there's even a white sort of blonde thing. There, there's there's tons of, yeah, it's ridiculous. So, coloration itself does not make for species identification. You know, not to keep, not to keep ranting, but I love this topic so much. Um, and This has gone on to the 21st century as well, like more recently than ever. Um, it turns out that two different groups of primatologists... Saw this strange long, long furred sort of uh, primate like monkey thing in, in India. And, um, and they said, so I've never seen those before. Two different groups of primatologists both said, I've never seen them. They took a bunch of pictures of them. And through that, a new species was actually identified and accepted. Now, of course, later on, a dead one was at, when was recovered hunters went out and they got one of this um and that's happened a couple times as well like there in 2005 a new macaque from the same area of india was uh, photographed and therefore and proven to be a new species but a dead one was gotten later again and again and again um that even happened in 2015 just a few years ago so i mean it's possible it's i think it might be possible to do but the thing that's going against us in the Bigfoot community here, as far as just snapping pictures, is that Bigfoot seems like such a ridiculous thing to the general public. And when you combine that with the, the, the variety of um, paranormal things ascribed to the species, most of which are conflicting with one another. There's no agreement among, there's like one paranormal vein that is stronger than the others. But they seem to get a lot of attention in the media and whatnot. It seems even more ridiculous to the scientists. So why would they bother? I did have a conversation with Dr. Todd Disital, um a, a couple of years ago. Uh, about this very same problem, about proving species are real um, through photographs. And he says, well, there is a way, he thinks there is a way around it that would convince him at least. And he told me straight out that if we got repeated DNA evidence from one area, and you combine that with repeated footprint evidence from that same area in combination, and this is a hard one, with repeated Video evidence of good quality from that same area—that would be enough to convince the scientists. I'm not sure that's accurate. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, it might not prove it, but it would certainly lead to that direction. Because if we have DNA and high, you know, high-quality video, repeatedly daytime footage, stuff like that, you know, footprint casts, hair samples, it would for sure get all the funding it needed to really dive into it. And I'm sure we then. Once it came up, you know, like that on that level and the stigma goes away, there's going to be so many, I mean, who knows how many other people have shot these things or they you know there might be bones or, you know, something like that. Or, I mean, I just think it'll, 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 it'll only, it may not be great for the species themselves, you know, being discovered, but it would certainly give us a lot more insight into it. It would lead to the things that would
0: make it deserving of classification. Don't you think it would just uh, say I, my my re- rebuttal to um, Doctor Disatell was well the DNA stuff would mostly mean something to you because you are a DNA expert, but even I mean the majority of scientists aren't really DNA experts. Um, they may need a lot more convincing, more than footprints or a couple of videos would do. But uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, what that would do is garner enough interest for a um, a well well directed hunt. Essentially, at the end of the day, yeah hey, well, you know, there's one more story I just want to touch on briefly. It doesn't have a lot to do with Bigfoot, but it did ring a bell with me, and I thought it'd be a fun way to end this. Um, Turns out, uh, just not that long ago, in Spartanburg, Ohio, I think it was. Is that right? Yeah, Spartanburg Spartanburg County, I guess, in Ohio. um, They they caught two men who wanted for murder, which is unfortunate, because no one should be murdered, of course, you know. But um what what really caught my eye is that one of the police officers his name it's Lieutenant Kevin Bobo. Yeah. Bobo, I didn't know Ke- it was your surname. I just thought it was a nickname. Well, there's a lot of people down in the south, well not a lot, but there's
1: several families with the last name of Bobo down there. Like especially I, I didn't know about Ohio, but I I've, I've gotten lots of people, go, do you know the Bobos from like Missouri or uh Mississippi? Georgia. And I'm like, no, nah, mine's just a nickname. There's not no
0: relation. Well, when I was glancing through this article, I just was delighted to keep reading again and again. Blah, 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 said Lieutenant Bobo. <laughs> and, and you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of your earlier heroics from about 10 years ago. And I thought that would make a good Bobo story time. Well, gather around. It's Bobo story time. Dude.
1: He's going to say some things that'll blow your mind. Classic. And if you say he's lying, he's going to kick you behind. For sure. Once again, it's Bobo
0: Storytime. Any description of felonious or criminal activity is being told here strictly for entertainment purposes and is in no way an admission of guilt or even true for that matter.
1: Yeah, in two thousand nine, it was August. We went down to see the Niners, Raiders, uh, preseason game in the Bay Area, and we were driving back up to Humboldt. And it was we partied that night in the in the city pretty good for two nights. So we were heading back. I was pretty hungover, tired, didn't really sleep much. It was like I think it was like a I think it was about eleven in the morning. We pulled up in Healdsburg to get some gas and use the bathroom. And I was just sitting in the front seat and it was Man, it was like 102 or something. It was hot as hell, and I see this uh, this dude running down with a shaved head, looked kind of dirty, wearing dirty old shorts, running uh, down the street. I think he was barefoot even, and just had a uh, dirty shorts and like a white a white wife beater on, like stained. And there was this Mexican guy all tattooed up, but dressed like a construction worker, chasing him, and I was like. Oh, that's weird, and then I watched them come kind of running down the the. Uh, it's, it's a four way intersection. We're at the gas station. It's right off the right off the one hundred and one freeway. Uh, it's Dry Creek, Dry Creek Lane, or Dry Creek Road, um, and it you know runs east, west, north, south. And we were on the southwest corner at the uh, service station, and these guys were running from the northeast, heading west. And across, the, you know, it's like a six-lane road, I guess, or maybe four. I think it's six-lane roads across the turn lane or five. Yeah, it's five lanes with the turn lanes. Anyways, because comes running across, and he sprints. And there was a construction site on the northwest corner, and he sprints over to there. And he must have stashed this thing there because he pulled it out right away. And he modified it. Uh, it was like an eight-foot piece of aluminum pole that he'd sharpened down to a spear point at one end. And he picks it up and swings it like a baseball bat at the guy that was chasing him. And that guy, they're both out of breath. I guess they'd run like a mile and a half or something, sprinting. And he's, you know, he's, he's he's in the Mexican guy that was chasing him pulls out his phone, and you know, I see him talking, and he's looking up at the street signs. And I was like, "What's going on here?" And it was like a, it was a standoff, and they're blocking traffic and stuff. And so I was like, "Oh man, uh, I, I don't know. I just figured I better, I better do something because uh, it looked like I was going to get ugly." And I took my shoes off and I snuck up barefooted, went across the street to the north and just kind of tiptoeing. I'm not starting to like I didn't want to, I didn't want to get any sense of someone coming up behind him. And I was just kind of standing there, just kind of snuck up and I stopped behind the, the light poles in case he turned on me. Cause I was pretty, pretty close. I was probably about 15 feet from him. And then I see these cop cars come pulling up, like with their sirens on. And come from the north down that whatever street that it is intersects Dry Creek. Um, this like cheesy looking dude, like in like a like it was like a Z twenty eight or something with like t top. This guy, it turned out he was like an undercover vice officer. But I see him get out, and he's standing in the door of his car, and he's on the phone too. And I see that guy, and they're both panting like like chest heaving, like they're just winded. And then I see the guy, the Mexican guy kind of look up. And he's trying to read the street sign. I could tell he's talking to 911, whatever. And the the white dude with the white beater on the dirty looking guy dropped. He went from a holding it in a baseball bat, you know, batter up position. He dropped it down and grabbed it like he was going to lunge forward with it and stab the guy in the stomach. And I just jumped out real fast. And right then the cops were pulling up and this, this cop just jumps out of the front seat and whips out the shotgun, and I see him chambering around as I'm as I am sneaking up behind this guy. Then I just ran real quick, and then the the undercover cop pulls out his pistol real quick, and he starts to level it. And the cops yelling, "On the ground! On the ground!" I said, and I looked and I locked eyes of him, and he pointed the gun right at me. And he said later, he goes, "That that was the closest he ever came to pulling the trigger and not pulled it." I mean, he would have got double odd twelve gauge right, you know, blew me in half. I held up my eyes. I said, "No." And the guy turned his head, he's the guy with the spear turns his head and sees me, and I just bear hug him and spun him out of the way because I thought they were gonna shoot him. And I and I, I picked him up off his feet and he starts manipulating the the spear. So he's he's trying to stab my foot. And I just grabbed him in a, I got him in like a rear-naked choke and just twisted his head kinda and said, I'm gonna snap your neck if you try to stab me again. I'm trying to help you, dude. Stop. Then I wrestled the spear away from him, and the cops were telling me, lay on the ground, lay on the ground. They'd come running up with their shotguns, and there other cops pulling up at this point. They all got there within, like, 20 seconds of each other, or 10 seconds. Like, they all got there right on the same time. I'm like, I'm like, no, no, no. I told the guy, like, settle down. The guy's struggling. And I So I squeezed his neck super hard. I said, don't move. You're going to get this bull shot. Then I, set, I, I put him on the curb. I said, sit down. And he sits down, and the cops come out with their shotguns, like, screaming. Told me to lay on the ground, dude. It was like a hundred and something degrees, or told me to lay on the blacktop. My feet were burning. I was trying to stand on the paint, the paint, on the and the crosswalk, just because the blacktop was so hot. He told me to lay down. I'm like I'm not laying down. It turned into this whole rigmarole of me not cooperating because I was like, dude, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not laying down. And they're like, lay on the ground. They came up to me and this and that and that and it turned out that the. That white guy was, he, he never spoke. He never said a word to any of us. He, 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 you can tell he was, he had, I thought he was like, you know, I could tell he's emotionally disturbed or developmentally disabled or something. So I just told the guy, I go, don't move, don't move. And I threw the spear back over that chain link fence. And, uh, and the cops came up and it turned into this whole thing. And they cuffed me and hassled me. And they were being real, real dicks to me for, uh, you know, seeing that I didn't do anything wrong. I know they got to straighten things out. They could have like, you know, like been cooler. And so then I gave the information, this and that, and that. And then I get a call from this police, the police department saying, Hey, um, you know, we really appreciate what you did. You know, you saved that guy's life. Um, you know, you, you saved the guy from getting speared, getting a spear run through his guts. Then you saved the other guy from getting shot. So, you know, you really saved two lives that day. We want to honor you with a, an award. We're going to, the city and county is going to give you an award, and I was like, uh, "Yeah, right." It's like the trick where the cops call you and say, "Hey, you want a free fishing boat? Come down and claim your fishing boat." And they arrest all those, you know, guys that have warrants and stuff. <laughs> they thought you
0: thought they were duping you, <laughs> so I, 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 I didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then I got a call back from like the public relations liaison officer and I was saying, well, where were you? Like we had this, like the whole thing was there. And I said like, dude, I'm not falling for that. Like uh, that's the oldest trick in the book. And he's like, no, no, no. So they put on the pol- chief of police, this woman, the chief. And she's like, no, we, we really like, this is not a setup. We really are going to honor you. Like we had the news stations there and stuff and p- reporters. And you know, like we were going to give you this award. And I was like, yeah, right. And then. She sent me a photo of the plaque. She texted me a photo of the plaque they were going to give to me. And I was like, oh, this is real. (laughs) So I I, I set it up to go down there and Yams Yams met me there and he took photos of it and stuff. And I learned there that the guy was, uh, he was on the most, he was the top of the most wanted list out of Washington state. He escaped from a mental asylum for, for the criminally insane. He was uh, wanted. They'd been looking for him for three weeks He'd gone into this store. He was starving, and he tried to walk out with food. And this woman that was working the counter tried to stop him, and he punched the lady's lights out. And the guy, the construction worker, saw it, and he, you know, was like, tried to apprehend the guy, and ended up chasing him, you know, like so he couldn't get away. And so they, yeah, they gave me a threw a, a dinner for me. I think they gave me a. I don't know. I think they just had like a follow up hors d'oeuvre thing, but then they. Um, one of the guys that was there that almost got in the shootout was a wine was a winery owner so he brought me like like really expensive bottles of wine and champagne they gave me like cheese because guess they're famous for cheese around that area or something and they gave me a yeah they gave me like a nice uh bouquet and like all this stuff and and then she gave me she made me an honorary member of the uh the police force and i got this uh little badge that all the officers get that can fit on like a keychain it's mm-hmm. like a real badge I, w- I wasn't made a police officer but it was like a real badge like only police or whatever police commissioners mm-hmm. or that sort of thing had them so I got, I kept that on my keychain that fell off a few years ago but um, yeah so I was the official hero and then I got uh, each county has a hero of the year and there's each in the state there's 58 counties in California and they they uh, put me up through the Sonoma County hero of the year award winner so i was supposed to go to this big dinner in sacramento with all 58 winners and that they were going to name the state hero of the year it wouldn't have been me i mean i was probably like the weakest case on there but i they had it like the second week of december and i was it was crapsies so i couldn't get away but yeah that was my official hero story
0: that second one was probably a setup anyway (laughs) all right well again lieutenant bobo we appreciate your service Oh, you know what? For
1: the next Bobo story time, I will tell my other official hero story. Oh, really?
0: I can't wait to hear that one. I got a couple of them. Actually, I'm pretty heroic, dude. Well, I love the fact that, like, you saw a problem. And really, I mean, you weren't a police officer, you weren't, you were really part of the fashion police more than anything because you saw this guy wasn't wearing (laughs) his shoes, wearing lousy clothes, and a wife beater is all stained up. Poor guy, right? Um, But, and I love that you solved, you initially solved the problem by stealth. And a big hug. Right? Right. Whenever there's an issue. I've always said you're the good time police because I've known you to kick a few asses in your time. Um, And it's always because somebody else is being a bum out. As long as everybody's having a good time, Bobo's cool. But if somebody starts being the fly in the ointment, man, watch out. Fist could fly. Especially they're picking on little nerdy dudes and stuff. Right. You came out to save my ass one time, but that's for another time. That's another <laughs> story. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up with, uh, you know, Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Lieutenant Bobo. Actually, I prefer Captain. Captain. Admiral. Can I call you Admiral? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Admiral Bobo. <laughs> All right. And, you know, if you if you love and respect us, please refer to Bobo as Admiral from now on. <laughs> this is just a matter of respect. We. We'll know who's listening to the podcast and who's not. <laughs> <laughs> so one way to
1: find out. Well, cool. Clint. That was, that was a interesting little conversation we had and Chris can have us work cut out editing, but I think it'll come out coherently enough.
0: Yeah, I think so, and you know, if and hopefully, listeners, tell us if you like it or not. Do you like this new thing that we're just, just take a couple news items and talk about them? If you do like it, um, great, thanks, I appreciate. it. If you don't like it, well, th- that be kind about your criticisms. Um, if you're just rude, we're going to throw it away and put it in the trash. But if if you have a suggestion, we're we're all ears. Go to bigfootandbeyondpodcast.com, push the contact button. It'll go right to us. Um, if you have news items or, or things, uh, topics in general, you'd like us to go and, uh, and talk about for an hour, by all means, email us again, bigfootandbeyondpodcast.com, and then hit the contact button. It'll go right to us. Yep. Do what Cliff said. Always. And until next week, folks, thanks for listening and keep
1: it squatchy.